God, uh, thank you for time today to be able to, to worship and to think about you and to be able to look at your word and to be able to teach and just knowing that you love us and you care for us and that this is for us, that you, you've allowed us to have these words. You've allowed us to have these experiences and to do these things that we do to be drawn closer to you so that you might guide our lives in the way that you want them to be. And uh, Lord, even uh, now I pray uh, as we talk about this topic that there are possibly people here today that know exactly what I'm talking about just by the way I described things a few minutes ago. And there are people who uh, are possibly dealing with things that they've been carrying for a long time, the baggage that has been placed there by other people. And so, Lord, in the sensitive topic that we talk about and the way I pray that you just help me to present things in a way to help them be freed up to trust in you with their lives and to let go of this baggage. So just thank you for that opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if, you, if you would, um, go ahead and, and turn to your Bibles to uh, the first book of the Bible. It's Genesis. And uh, Genesis... 37. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to take the life of someone in the Bible by the name of Joseph who lived a lot of years and, and try and real quickly give you a snapshot of some of the stuff that happened to his life in case you haven't read this or you're not familiar with the character of Joseph. But in Genesis chapter 37, I'm just going to read verses 2 through 8 and then share some other stuff with you. And it says this. This is the account of Jacob. And then it starts off by saying Joseph. Jacob was Joseph's son. So this is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilah and the sons of Ziplah and his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel, which is also a name for Jacob, uh, same same person, uh, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made him a richly ornamented robe for him. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheep rose up and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Now, if you continue to read this story, and I hope you will, especially if you've never read that. Maybe you're hearing the life of Joseph for the first time today. But you can, you can keep on going from there, and that story will unfold. And there are some things about the life of Joseph that, um, that you will find out. After this, Joseph has another dream. And this dream not only talked about his brothers bowing down to him, but it included his mother and his father bowing down to him so pretty pretty uh, interesting dream and then uh, as Jacob would often do it appears uh, the older brothers had gone out to tend to the sheep and Jacob sends Joseph again 
to check on the brothers and find out what was going on so he could bring back a report. Now, as you saw in there, he talked about the brothers, they hated him. They couldn't even speak a kind word for him. Then he tells them this dream, of course. You know, can you just imagine this young 17-year-old coming to the, his older brothers? Hey, guys, guess what? I had this dream. Oh, yeah? What was it? Well, you know, we were out there doing these things, and basically you are going to be bowing down to me. Isn't that nice? Isn't that neat? So they hated him. And so he goes to check on him, and on his way there, the brothers are already having this conversation. And they're thinking, you know what? We're going to kill that dude. <laughs> I'm tired of him. We're going to get rid of him. This is his blood, his brothers. They have planned to kill him. So as you read through the story, you'll see that when Joseph arrives, they got this plan together. And basically what they did was they stripped him of his clothes, and they threw him in this old abandoned well, a cistern. They threw him in this well. And they left him there to die. And then they got to thinking, oh gosh, how are we going to explain this to dad? And what are we going to say? And all these kinds of things. So it just so happens at that time there was this group of Midianite people. They were traveling through the land. And they had this idea, hey, I know what. We will sell him. (laughs) Anybody have siblings? You have brothers and sisters? Has that thought ever gone through your mind? You know, I think I would like to sell. (laughs) I think I'll just sell you off, right? So they decided what they'd do is they'd get rid of him. They still want to get rid of him, but instead of killing him themselves, they're just going to count him as dead, and they're going to sell him to these people who are passing by. And so they did this. story goes on. They took this beautiful robe that the father had made for him, and they put this animal blood on it, and they ended up taking it back and convincing the dad that, you know, that he had been uh, shredded by animals and that their, his favorite son was dead. Well... The story continues, so Joseph goes as a slave, sold to these people. They travel to Egypt. They realize they really don't want him for themselves. They can make money off of him. So they end up selling Joseph to one of the uh, high people in the uh, Pharaoh's assembly of, of officials. They sell him to this guy named Potiphar. All right, so he's been sold twice. They sell him to this slave. Potiphar, uh, actually, Joseph is there. He kind of wins a little favor with him as a slave, and Potiphar puts him in control of and in charge of all of his stuff. Well, Potiphar has this wife who evidently had a little more time on her hands than she needed. And the Bible says, and you can read this, and this is not word for word, but if you haven't read this story, you, you know, you, you need to read this. But basically it was like uh, Joseph was a pretty hot dude. <laughs> He, he looked pretty good, you know. He was, he was stout and, you know, he, he evidently looked good. And so Potiphar's wife saw him and decided, hey, you know, why don't you come over to my place sometime? And Joseph refused her. And that continued to happen. And every time she'd see him, she'd try to find a way to draw him in. And uh, he didn't really want to have anything to do with it. And so the final time that this happened, she kind of caught him alone And she once again tried to seduce him and bring him into her bedroom. And he was so afraid and so scared that he ran. And when he ran, he left some clothes behind (laughs) because they were torn. Guess what happened? The wife told the husband that Joseph had come in and tried to be with her and tried to rule over her, tried to take her over her, that he was harassing her sexually. And it fired him up, and so Joseph ended up going to jail. Throwed him in the dungeon, in the jail, 
because of being falsely accused. So he's in this jail, and he's in there for a while. And while he's there, he gains a little favor with the person of the warden who's in charge. And now Joseph in jail kind of becomes, you know, the person who's in charge in the jail. So he's in there for a while, and then there are two other servants of, of the king who had been sent to jail because they'd done stuff that the king didn't like, and that's what kings could do. If he didn't like you, one day you're great, the next day your head's off if he just decides that he wanted to do that. So these two people, uh, they've thrown in, into jail, and he's there with them for a while, and they have a dream, and, and they can't, they don't know what's going on, and Joseph decides he, you know, God, God can interpret dreams, and he, he can use me to do that, so Joseph kind of tells them what their dreams are going to be, and for one of them it meant that they were going back to the king and whoosh, off with the head. And for the other one, it meant that they were going to go back to the king and he was going to restore them to their position. And it happened exactly like Joseph said. But the one thing that Joseph said is, listen, is when this happens, don't forget about me here in jail. Tell some people about me. Well, guess what happened? He got restored back to his position. Well, he got busy doing his normal stuff and he forgot about Joseph. And it was two more years, the Bible says, that Joseph stayed in jail for something that he did not do waiting for maybe somebody else to put in a good word for him. Two more years went by until Pharaoh himself had a dream and nobody could interpret it. And all of a sudden he remembers, oh, hey, I was in, when I was in jail, I was with this guy and he interpreted it. So Joseph finally gets called up to, back, uh, to Pharaoh and interprets his dream and tells him exactly what it means. And the story ends up to where I'll cut to the chase. The story ends up to where Joseph, on the good side of things, ends up basically being Pharaoh's right-hand man is in charge of everything in the whole land. And the dreams that he had did come true about people bowing down to him, and you can read that for yourself. So I tell you all that, hopefully, as quick as I can for you to understand that, to say this. After all of the negative things that had ha happened to Joseph in his life, of all of the different things, the negative baggage that was placed on him of no result of his own. It was all happened to him because of something somebody else had done. After all of that stuff that happened, if anybody would have had a good excuse to maybe have a little bit of a negative attitude or have a bad attitude or, or go around life moping or be angry and talk about all the bad stuff, if anybody would have had an excuse to be that, it would have been Joseph, but that did not happen. So think about that again, just a snapshot. You know, his, his dad is playing favorites with him. Well, Joseph, Joseph didn't make that happen. That was his father's choice. Now, I don't know that he ever said, Dad, you've got to quit playing favorites with me. Quit making me all these nice robes and giving me all this stuff. You know, I'm tired of it. Please, Dad. Now, maybe he didn't do that. But out of no, uh, nothing that Joseph did on his own, his dad chose to play favorites with him, and that caused him trouble. That was baggage for Joseph. Because of that, his brothers chose to hate him, and they wanted him dead. He was stripped of his clothes. He's thrown in this well. He's taken back out. He is sold as a slave two times. Joseph went from being the favorite child in the household, the go-to person, the one that dad sent out to bring back a report and tattletale if the brothers were doing their job, the one that was, he made all these great clothes for and treated him basically like a king. It was his favorite son. He went from that to being sold as a slave, not once, but twice. Talk about affecting your self-esteem. And then he's thrown into jail, accused of sexual harassment. He's thrown into jail. 
he helps these other people and tries to get them to help him. They forget about him for two years, and then finally things happen that are good for him. Now, that is a long period of time of nothing but one thing after the other. Tell me, have you ever experienced, and maybe you're there now, that you have had some stuff happen in your life, and it seems like when it rains, it pours. <laughs> that ever happened? And this was the life of Joseph for a long period of time. Every time it seemed like he turned around, something negative was happening to him. And it wasn't having to do with anything that he had caused. It wasn't any choices that he had made. These consequences that he was suffering were because of the decisions of somebody else. Baggage placed on him by other people. Now... What did he do with all of this negative baggage and what what happened with his life? Stuff that he didn't create. Stuff that was placed on him because of the actions of other people. So there's a couple of things in this story, and we'll look at some other scripture along with this. But to think about how did Joseph handle that baggage? You may be there. You may be already identifying. You know what? There are decisions that people have made in my life that affected me negatively I didn't ask for it they didn't ask my opinion but because of what they have done it has affected me for life how do you handle that how do you deal with that day to day how do you try to have an outlook on life when you know there have been people in your life who have hurt you who have caused you problems and what did Joseph do one of the things that he did is that he refused to be defined by the negative baggage other people tried to place on him. He just refused to be defined by that. Think of all the things that Joseph could have done or could have said or the way he could have lived his life. He could have had it, well, I grew up in a house where Father always treated me nicely and and better than the others and, you know, because of that I had a bad relationship with my brothers and that's the way I am the way I am. Or, you know, I grew up in a family where my brothers hated me and, you know, and I took all this abuse from them all the time. And so that's why my life is such a mess. Or I thought I was doing well and I thought God was with me and then I end up being a slave in somebody else's household in a foreign land of people that I didn't even know. And so, you know, it's just been a rough life for me. Things have been tough. And then there's this woman who accused me of stuff, and my reputation is ruined, and I I get thrown in jail, and who knows what people probably thought I really did it, and now I'm in jail. And and then I got these guys who kind of become my friends and cellmates, and I help them out, and then they forget about me. I mean, you know, life has been tough. It's been bad. He He didn't do any of that. But he chose not to let these negative things define who he was. And here's the thing I think is important. As you may, again, already be thinking about stuff in your life. And you may already be saying, well, you don't know what's happened to me. You don't know the baggage that I've been carrying. You don't understand the things that happened to me when I was a child that have followed me in life and have haunted me in life. You don't know the guilt that I have to deal with that my parents try to place on me. You don't understand the people that I work with that that do things that always make me feel like it's their fault. You don't understand the pressure that I'm under, and I may not. And the chances are, you know, none of us may have experienced exactly the same things, but every one of us, I'm sure, have carried some kind of baggage that other people have tried to place on us. And here's the thing that's important to know. Joseph did not pretend like it didn't happen. 
He didn't just walk through life and say, oh, nothing ever bad has happened to me. Life is good. I'm going to have a positive attitude. It wasn't like he'd done that. But it was the idea. He was living it. It happened to him. You didn't, he didn't just blink his eyes and all of a sudden, oh, I'm just dreaming. None of this really happened. It really did happen. He really did get abused by his own brothers. He really was sold as a slave. No value to your life. Let's just sell you off with about eight ounces of silver. No value. That really did happen. He really did serve as a slave in, in Potiphar's house. He really did fight temptation and, and, and be accused of wrong. He was really in jail. It wasn't that, that things didn't happen. But it was that he recognized those things happened and he refused to allow those things to define who he was. He didn't let those things haunt him from the rest, for the rest of his life. He didn't allow those things to render him completely ineffective in life, in relationships, in service to God. He didn't allow those things to happen. And I think, man, that is awesome. What a, what a great example of what he did. But I think we need to acknowledge that it's not... Sometimes people say, well, you know, just move on with it. It's okay. Forget about it. Everything's going to be all right. And there's some truth to that. But that doesn't mean you just turn your head and pretend like those things didn't happen. You deal with those. But you don't let them define who you are or who you're going to become. Second thing is this. Joseph had control over his actions to the problem in his life. This is a big one. He had control over his reactions to the problems in his life. He didn't blame it on everybody else. He didn't try and say, well, because they did this, I'm going to do this. Joseph chose how he was going to respond to all of the negative junk that happened in his life. It was his choice. And I think in doing that, he realized, I don't have control over the choices of anybody else. And you may think about that. And again, I don't know the baggage that people are trying to put on you, the baggage that you're carrying, the things that have happened in your life. What you have to come to a point you have to realize is you have no control over the decisions of other people. You cannot make decisions for them, but you can choose in your life how you're going to respond and the things that you're going to do. I heard somebody say one time about dealing with problems and issues, and they said, you know, your problem is not your problem. How you view your problem is your problem. And I thought, you know, there's some truth to that. And so I, I just changed the word, and I, and I think this is true. Your baggage is not your problem. It's how you view your baggage that's your problem. If you're a person who views negative things that have happened to you because of the results of somebody else as the victim, and it's woe is me, and it's I'll never be able to get over this, and I've got to carry this the rest of my life, I've been scarred forever, I can never do anything, you put more authority and power in them than you do in God. Because God can just change all that. And it isn't easy, I know, and again, I'm not flippantly saying, oh, forget about it, well, I haven't used no big deal. But if we, if we continue to carry that, we continue to let that have power in our lives, we are letting those circumstances and the consequences that somebody else has caused in our lives to dictate how we see ourselves. And that's not what God wants for us. So Joseph, he made decisions uh, for his own self. He didn't have anything to do. Joseph had nothing to do with his father playing favorites. 
But he did have a way that he could respond to that and his actions. Joseph had nothing to do with his brothers. It wasn't his fault that his brothers decided they wanted to kill him. That was the choice of his brothers. Joseph had nothing to do with that. You probably have people in your life right now, or you have had, and they have done something stupid, they have made a bad decision, they have done something wrong, and they have tried to lead you to believe that if you had not done this, they would not have done that. And they are trying to blame their actions on you. You may have had a part in the problem. You may have done some things wrong uh, for yourself. But you are not responsible for the actions of somebody else. They ultimately had to choose what they were going to do. And sometimes people choose things negatively. And sometimes they choose it positively. But don't let them place that negative baggage on you. And I think Joseph, Joseph understood that. You know, sometimes when, when, when bad stuff happens, it, because of the nature of it, it, it kind of draws us into this negative kind of way of thinking, doesn't it? You know, you're riding down the road and everything's fine, and all of a sudden you boom, you hear boom, 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 and the tire goes flat. What is the first thing that usually comes out of your mouth? Uh, you know, not the curse words that you might say, but... After you get, but what is that? Has anybody ever been driving down the road and you know everything's fine? You're going on vacation and the kids are singing songs they learned at church and God is good all the time and all the time God is good and they're going down singing about how God is good and then boom 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 oh crap it's going to be a great vacation we're starting off with a flat tire I mean whoever says oh praise the Lord children we have an opportunity to learn how to fix the tire you know. If you are that way, I never want to go on vacation with you. You make me sick. No, I'm just kidding. Whoever does that, when when negative stuff happens to us, we have a natural tendency to uh, adopt the attitude of the thing that has happened. We have a natural tendency. My natural tendency to do that if the tire goes flat is to say, Oh, are you kidding me? Of all the times this can happen. You know, and then you try to deal with it. But, you know, I, I, I don't, when negative stuff happens, I have to confess to you, I, have to, I struggle because usually, a, woo, this is awesome, positive thing is not usually my first response. Now, I will get there eventually, and it just sometimes depends on what it is, how long it takes me, right? But, but that's the idea of we choose our attitudes when negative things happen. We choose our responses. Let me tell you a story. Uh, b- before we came here, I was pastoring a church in the big town of Worthville, Kentucky, population 218. Salut. It was in a little rural area, and there were a couple of other areas uh, that we ministered to. And we had vans, and we would go into these trailer parks and these places, and we'd pick up these kids who had pretty, pretty rough lives. They're... Their lives were uh, not anything like, uh, you know, the average American has grown up with, with halfway normal, at least halfway normal one point. Even if you grew up in a one-parent ha- household, maybe your parent was halfway normal or you're surrounded by what we consider to be normal. These kids had pretty rough lives. And uh, there's a place called Happy Hollow. Uh, and nothing happy that I know of ever happened from there. I mean, it was, you know, it was so funny. Another, the other place was called Eagle Creek Resort. And when you think resort, you think of blue water and people coming feeding you grapes and, you know, stuff being pampered and massaged. If you saw this place, it's just such an oxymoron of, this, of a resort in Eagle Creek. 
I mean, it was just run down, just bad stuff. Okay, you got the picture. So anyway, so we, we did that. And uh, so one day I, I went in, into the office and uh, I, I walked past uh, one of the vans that we had used to, to drive and pick the kids up. And I looked on the side of the van and uh, some, some kids, I'm assuming, had uh, come in, I guess, that night. And with a permanent black magic marker had written on the side of the van, Satan was here. And my first response was, you have got to be kidding me. This is on a Wednesday morning. Wednesday night was when we ran the buses in these neighborhoods, in these trailer parks, and picked up these kids. And the first thought is, here we go. We're riding through this trailer park, and all you know, we don't have another van. We have to use the van. And here they've written us a permanent marker. You know, good night. Can you believe this? What are we going to do? And so there was a, I think uh, one of our deacons and another church member had come up. We were talking about options. And we tried to paint over it. Uh, we tried uh, stuff to get it off. Nothing would take it off. It was, it was on there. And we're all kind of getting a pretty negative attitude about some of these kids who had come by. How could they? This is God's property. This is a church. Who could do something like that? Shame on them. All of a sudden, I had this idea. I said, hold on, guys. I think we can fix this. Went back to my office, and I got a black permanent magic marker. Went outside, and where they had written, Satan was here, I wrote, dot, 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 and lost. <laughs> Wednesday night, we took, the, we took the van through the trailer park, picking up the kids, and everybody's seeing on the van, Satan was here and lost. <laughs> And then we got it covered, you know, then we had time to deal with it next week and get it uh, taken care of. But, you know, my first response wasn't, <laughs> wasn't uh, to, to, to do something like it. It was negative. How can they do this? We, we have a tendency to do that. But the, the thing is, we can choose our actions. Could have chosen to be negative. We could have chosen to be hateful. We could have been mad. We could have, we could have said, that's it. We're just canceling Wednesday night services because we're not going to be embarrassed by driving this van around. And there's all kinds of stuff that we could have done negatively. But to look at things from the perspective of, okay, this is what happened. I don't have any control of that. I don't know the people who did it. I don't have any uh, responsibility in what they, they've done. But I do have a choice of how I'm going to respond to that. And so I think that that needs to happen with the baggage that we're talking about. You don't haven't had any choice with this stuff, with the way that we're talking about today. It's stuff that other people have placed on you. It's not your choice. You didn't choose to be abused when you were a kid. You didn't invite somebody into your room when you were a child to abuse you. They just did it. It's not your fault that someone in your family have chosen to take their life and you're living with the guilt of something that you may have said to them before that happened or a thought that you had. And you're still carrying that baggage based on choices that other people have made. I can go on and on and on. And some of them might not be that dramatic. It might be that mom is still making you feel guilty for moving away. It might be that dad still does not recognize that you are a grown, valuable adult. And have grown up to be a man. That you never get his approval. It may be that you still have those brothers and those sisters just like Joseph had. And as much as you try, you feel like you're really trying to win them over. And they choose time and time again to respond to you negatively. And you keep asking yourself and they keep trying to make you believe, what have you done? 
the list can go on and on and on. And you don't have any control over that, but you do have control over the way you respond to it. And we can do like Joseph, and we can choose to not let that dictate us and realize that we are responsible for our actions. Now, there's a saying that we have, and you know it, and it says, if life gives you lemonades, lemons... (laughs) When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Stupidest saying I've ever heard in my life. I've changed it. I don't know that it'll go down in history. It's probably not on Wikipedia, and I don't know that the phrase will ever be adopted amongst the populace of the normal human being. But here's the way that I look at that now. I've I've said this for, for a while now, that my thought is, because of my reactions, when life gives you lemons, you make a sour face for a short period of time, and then you just move on with it. That's more realistic to me. It's not, you know, when life gives me a lemon. Oh, look, let's make lemonades. No, 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 those things are sour. All right, let's acknowledge that that stinks. Let's acknowledge that that's sour. And then, okay, we, we've done that for long enough. Now let's move on with it. Let's not let that define us. Let's not let those things dictate who we are, how we see ourselves, and who we think we're going to become, and what we can and cannot do based on those circumstances. And I think Joseph just really gives us a good example of how to do that. Now, there are a few other scriptures that I want us to look at real quickly and see. The other thing is that Joseph thrived in the midst of all the negative junk that had happened to him at the hand of someone else. He thrived. It wasn't just that he got through it and that he managed to live a halfway normal life. He thrived in the midst of all of this stuff that had happened to him. Look at uh, chapter 39 in Genesis, verses 1 and 2. It says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Verse 2, the Lord was what? With Joseph, right? The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Well, I'm just a slave. I'm a nobody. I've been sold. My brothers hate me. I don't even know these people, and now I'm a slave. Oh, woe is me. And it says he thrived, and the Lord was with him. God wasn't absent. God wasn't somewhere out to lunch, forgetting to recognize what was happening to Joseph. God was with him, the Scriptures say. And not only was, they, was God with him during that time, but as a slave with a human master, Joseph thrived and prospered. That's awesome, isn't it? Man, look at uh, chapter 39, verses 20 and 21. It says, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison. This is after he had had that situation with, the, with his uh, Potiphar's wife. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where kings Prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. In prison, 
Where's God? Well, if I'm living right, this would have never happened to me. I can't believe this. You know, had one bad thing happen to me, that's something else. But good night, time and time again, I just keep waiting for the other shooter to drop. It's just one bad thing after another. I can't believe this has happened to me. Surely God has forgotten about me. Surely I've done something wrong. Surely God could never use me. Surely God doesn't love me. Surely God doesn't care about me. But none of that is true. And those are the kinds of thoughts that often go through our minds. How could God use damaged goods like me? After all I've been through. And the scripture says again that God was with him. And not only was he with him, but he was with him in such a way as that he gave him favor with the person who was in charge in the jail. Leadership. God's using him. God's still with him. One other, one other one, and this is, this is the biggest one is, is in my opinion. They're all, they're all huge. But chapter 41 verse 38. This is after Joseph goes to Pharaoh and Joseph interprets the dream and they're talking about what this means and who, who's going who's gonna to help with carrying out the things. And if you don't know that story, you're just going to have to go and read it. But verse, uh, verse uh, 38 says, um, When Pharaoh asked them, talking about the other people around with Joseph as he was explaining this dream and what they were going to do, Pharaoh says, Can we find anyone like this man? One in whom? Is the Spirit of God. This is said about a man who had just been delivered from jail. And Joseph interprets the dream and explains to him what needs to be done. And Pharaoh, the king, the pagan king, the person who's not really keen about trying to live for God and let's search spiritual things, he recognizes the Spirit of God in Joseph. And he says, and to the extent of, hey, can we, I, I've never seen anybody else like this man. Can we find anybody around here who has the Spirit of God in him like this guy does? Not, well, he's a loser. I mean, he's a, he just got out of jail. He's a jailbird. I'm not going to do anything with him. Isn't this the guy who has a record of being a little frisky with the women? Isn't this the guy who, who, whose brothers hated him? Surely if everyone in the family hated him, surely there was something wrong with him? There was none of that. This is at the end of after all this junk had happened to, to Joseph. Pharaoh says to him, Can we find anybody else in the world like this who has the Spirit of God dwelling within them? Man, that is awesome. And I think that is because of the things that we mentioned. That Joseph didn't let those things, they didn't let them define him. He didn't become the victim for the rest of his life. Every situation did not become some kind of historical recount of what had used to happen. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now. You know people like that. You've been there. And not to take away from what had happened to them. But you have been there. You might have done that yourself. You just can't get past it. You can't see who God wants you to be because you're still holding on to what everybody else told you you were. And Joseph didn't do that. And so here are some things that I want you to think about. That, that Joseph, again, he, he not only got along, he thrived in the midst of all this stuff that had happened. Now, 
we've talked, uh, Cliff mentioned uh, last week, there's kind of three main ideas in this whole baggage series. And one of them is this, that we all have baggage, okay? So just, just it, we all have baggage. And he talked about stuff you just, it's because you did something stupid and you're, that's the baggage you have. And then to realize that, that baggage has a way of, of uh, just making life difficult if we let it. And then the last thing, the big point kind of is, is you can drop your baggage. And so, especially with that last concept, this is what I want you to think about. Now, Cliff has given us handles a lot. Hey, here's some handles what to do. I'm going to give you some handles, but they might not all apply to you. So it's not like I'm going to do one, two, and three. But I'm going to throw out some things to you, and chances are something is going to be a handle that you can grab a hold of. And so think about these things. There's, there's four things uh, to think about when you're dealing with the baggage that other people try to place on you. One is real obvious, and he talked, Cliff talked about that last week, and it's just, just give that to Jesus. You don't have to carry that. Just turn that over to God. Let God deal, let God deal with, uh, in this situation, let God deal with those other people. You're not the judge in their life. Quit trying to make their life miserable because of what they've done to you. All that's doing is allowing you to focus more attention on them and not allow you to focus attention on God. So just give that over to him. Allow Jesus to transform your life in the midst of that. And the second thing is this, is what Joseph did. Just refuse to carry that baggage that others place on you. Just refuse to carry it. You may have to say out loud to yourself, I am not carrying that baggage any longer. You might just have to come to terms with it, realize, yes, it was horrible. Yes, it's, yes, it's bad. Yes, it has caused negative circumstances in my life. But I am making my choice to not carry it and let it go. Don't carry that baggage anymore. You're not responsible for the actions of other people. There's, there's a book that's been out for a while, and you can just jot this down because uh, it might be a good resource to you, but there's a book by Henry Cloud called Boundaries. And if you have a personality and a tendency to kind of a little bit codependent and, and have to not know how to say no, and then you end up taking on all this other junk because you just, you just don't know where to draw the line, and then you end up assuming all this stuff of other people, is the book is called Boundaries by Henry Cloud. And it's a really good book about learning how to draw some boundaries in your life. So that might be a help to you. But you can refuse to carry that. You don't have to carry that. And so I'd ask you on that one, what, what are you carrying? What is the baggage that you're carrying that you don't need to carry any longer? Now, this is a little different, and I'm not exactly finished, but I want you just to close your eyes for just a minute and think about this, okay? Because I want you to really tune in. And you may already know this, but just ask yourself the question, is there any baggage that I'm carrying that other people have placed on me, and I'm just choosing to continue to carry it? What is it? In your mind, just name it out loud. And, and if you could be as bold as to just say this prayer, God, with your help, today, I refuse to carry that baggage. I'm not letting it define me anymore. And that leads into the next one. And you can look this way, and this is the idea of refuse to, refuse to be defined by it. Again, I, I try, in thinking about this message and thinking about how to say it and what to say, I want to be real sensitive to know there's some stuff that you guys have probably been through that would make our toenails curl if we heard it. I just know in a group this large with statistics of what happens to people, somebody here has probably, you've experienced some things that have been horrible, and I'm not making light of that. 
But there is a choice that you have somewhere, and you're either going to choose to continue to let that define you, or you're going to choose to drop that and let who God says you are define you. And that is going to be your choice. And as long as you carry it, and as long as you let it define you, you will stay where you are. You may feel depressed, and you may feel down, and nobody likes me, and and uh, I'm just a bad person, and nothing ever good's going to happen to me, and God can't use me because of what happened, and because of what they said, this is what I believe. You, as long as you choose to hold on to that, it's going to stay the same. But listen, you can let that go. You do not have to let that define you. That's not who God says you are. That's who other people have tried to make you believe you are. So let that go. Refused to be defined by that. Don't let that dictate that. So again, just kind of close your eyes for just a second. Just think about what we're talking about. And realize that there's some stuff that happened to Joseph that, that none of you have ever experienced and maybe never will. And, and he thrived. He didn't become the victim for the rest of his life. He thrived. So ask yourself this question. What am I letting define me? Things that have happened in my past, the things that other people have done to me, the consequences that I am suffering because of something that I had no choice over. What are those things that I have held on to and I'm allowing them to define my view of myself? What are they? Let them go. Okay, and then the last thing, and you can look back this way, and I think this one's important, is you refuse to dump baggage on others. You know how it feels when you get dumped on. And you know how it's felt when people make choices that have affected you. Don't dump that baggage on other people. Joseph could have been the person who said, well, because of the way I've been treated, this is what I'm going to do. Everybody that's in my life, I'm treating them like my brothers treated me. I'm going to show them what it feels like to be mistreated. I'm going to show them what it feels like to be thrown in a well left for dead and then to be yanked back out and sold to strangers and placed in a house where I'm a slave. I'm going to show them what that feels like. And you can become bitter and you can become angry and you can, whether you're conscious of it or not, you can have a life mission to make everybody else's life around you miserable because that was your life. And when you do that, you're no better than the person who dumped on you. Because what you're doing is dumping on somebody else. And so you've got to let that go to where you're not, in turn, giving that to other people to have to deal with. So I challenge you to do that. So think about this, and this, you know, this is what I ask myself. What would it be like in my life? If people could say about me what Pharaoh said about Joseph, especially after I have experienced negative junk and baggage from other people, what would it be like in my life is when I experienced that negative stuff, if people could say about me what Pharaoh said about Joseph, where else can we find a person who has the Spirit of God like this guy has the Spirit of God? Wouldn't that be awesome? Talk about, we talk about leaving a legacy. and Wouldn't that be awesome? That when I'm dead and gone, people could say, you know, he experienced some junk. 
in his life. And some of it was because of stupid decisions he made on his own. But there was a lot of things that he experienced that he didn't have any choice with. And he didn't spend the rest of his life complaining and whining and trying to get everybody else in trouble and trying to bring everybody. Wouldn't it be awesome if they said, you know, he did experience some stuff. But I tell you what, I don't know if I could find anybody else that had the Spirit of God like he had the Spirit of God. Wouldn't that be awesome? What would that look like in your life? All the stuff you've already been through. Maybe that's not been true of you up to this point, but what if from this point on people could say, you know what, I saw a change in them. And what would it be like if they could say about you what Pharaoh said about Joseph? Who can find a person like them in whom the Spirit of God dwells? And think about me and think about you. What would this world look like if everybody who claims to be a Christian, not, not even talking about the people who don't believe in God, what about just those of us, all of us, who claim to be followers of Christ? What would this world look like if they could say about us what Pharaoh said about Joseph? There goes a people filled with the Spirit of God. Look at all that stuff. But look at how they deal with that. Where else do you find people who have the Spirit of God? I'm not finding those kind of people with the people I hang around with. They're negative and they're hateful and they're always trying to do stuff. Man, there goes a people who filled with the Spirit of God. You think this world would look different than it does now? I guarantee you it would. So here's what I want you to think about just as a close. There may be some things that I thought and God's just kind of slapped you upside the head with that and you said, whoa, that's the thing for me. But think about this. What is it that's going on in your life? How are you reacting to it? And if we had to say right now, boy, they're really bitter because of what happened. And they really have, they really view themselves lowly and don't think God can use them versus, man, look at that person. Where else are you going to find somebody with the Spirit of God like that? What would be said about you and what would you want to be said about you? your choice you can start today nobody's going to choose it for you nobody has control over your choice you can decide if you want to see people when you walk around in this world if you want them to see Satan was here or if you want them to see Satan was here and lost pray with me Lord, I am so thankful that you try to help us understand that if we're going to carry anything, it's carrying our own cross and carrying your burden, which you tell us is light. It's not heavy. It's not overwhelming. It's not like this other baggage and stuff that we try to carry. So I pray for every person here that you help us to identify are there things that we're choosing to hold on to? We're letting them define us. And we're just living a life that shows that those things are still in control. Lord, I pray you give us all the courage and the power and the strength to let it go. To make our choices to let you define who we are. We know that Satan does have a way of entering our lives. 
we know that there are negative things that other people have done that are demonic and that have affected us. But we don't want to live a life where people just see that Satan was here. We want them to see what your word says. He was here all right. But he didn't go away a winner. He lost. And people will look at us and people will look at this church and they will say, I don't know anywhere else I have seen a people that are filled like the Spirit of God, like the people at Freedom Fellowship. And we thank you for that. And we know you can do it. And we don't trust in ourselves. We trust in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.